Hey, what is up, guys? It is Harrison Barron, the host of the Brutally Honest Podcast. So uh, let's we got to talk real quick before we get in the podcast. So if you've made it this far, thanks. Um, and then I'm going to go through the whole spiel. I'll be less than five minutes, and then we're going to get into the show. So just give me five minutes, and then you guys are going to have a great podcast ahead of you. So I did a little bit of a, uh, a, a social media detox kind of thing. Uh, for the holidays and a podcast detox where um, I wasn't producing anything. I, I uh, A little part of it was because I kind of fell into a little slump. I kind of lost the fire behind being in a podcast and stuff like that. And um, partially my fault. I think that I took on too much work all at one time and things like that. And that is all now well and gone. Um, but it was nice. It was nice to have some time off. I, I, I stopped recording podcasts for about two weeks. I probably should have given you guys a heads up, so I definitely apologize in that regard. But it was just something that, you know, I've been doing this now for, we're going on three years in a couple weeks. And it's been so outrageously rewarding. It's something I love. But uh, I'm realizing that growing a business is outrageously difficult. Uh, building an online course all at the same time is not easy. Then having the podcast uh, is just another layer of stuff on top of uh, my volunteer career and things like that. So um, a lot of things have been happening, all really, really good things. I, I do want to say that right off the bat. Everything that has happened in the last couple of months have been outrageous. Uh, the studio is taking on a new the role in my career and changing and being used as a, a full-blown studio as opposed to a podcast studio. The studio is an absolute mess right now. Um, I'm just giving you guys all these things to kind of paint a picture of you guys, for you guys of like what's been going on. But it's really been uh, an, an incredible journey. Welcome to 2020, right? This is uh, the first podcast of the year. Beyond excited about that. And Honestly, I'm I'm really excited. I have a bunch of things in the books. I have a ton of potential new guests. I say potential because they might be scheduled, but they haven't been recorded yet. Um, I'm still involved in the Zoom podcast. This actually is a Zoom podcast, the, the one that you're going to be listening to right now. Um, but uh, you know, I'm still testing it. I'm still trying to you know find people. And and a, and the nice part about the Zoom podcasts between you know you and me is I really get to be super selective on who I have and. I get to really define exactly who I want on the show. So I don't have to keep every single person, you know, which is a beautiful thing. As ridiculous as it sounds, it's really nice to just be able to say, you know what, look, these are the people that I'm looking for and all that kind of stuff. And I'm bringing more and more talent, more and more knowledge to you guys. I'm super, super excited about that. So all of that's kind of been happening. The holidays were a little hectic. And I'm in the process of actually transitioning computers from one to the other. So I'm trying to bang out as many podcasts as I can for my new laptop. Kind of a new setup. Uh, podcast room is getting some upgrades in the next coming weeks. And I'm trying to prep for those as well. So there's really been a whole lot of crazy, amazing transformation that I'm outrageously happy and excited for. And I'm even more happy and excited that you guys get to be a part of it. So that's that. Holidays were good. I hope everybody had a phenomenal holiday. I th I, I'm hoping that everybody has is still on track to crush uh, their their uh, New Year's resolutions and things like that because that's that would be important. So that's pretty much that, guys. Uh, it, life's been super crazy. I'm super happy that you guys are a part of it. Uh, beyond excited to bring this new chapter. The detox is now over. I'm fired up. I'm ready to do some more podcasts and stuff like that. And you guys are going to come along with me 
Come along with me. Come on. You guys are going to come with me on the journey. That was what I was trying to say. But that's what you guys are going to do. All right. I have a ton of new stuff coming out. I'm really excited. If you guys haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. Share it out with somebody. Give it a rating on iTunes if you guys want. All that kind of good stuff. And that's pretty much it, guys. I'm super stoked. We're going to have a great 2020. I'm glad that you guys get to be a part of it. And I'll see you guys in the show starting right Oh, wait, I can introduce my guest. So my guest today is uh, a man by the name of Sean Rawls. He is a brilliant human being. He lives down in Georgia. Uh, we met over uh, Guest, which is a website where you can be a podcast host or podcast guest and things like that. He's an absolute wealth of knowledge in his industry. He He's uh, heavily involved in the uh, real estate industry. So now that I've introduced him, without any further ado, please welcome my guest, Sean Rawls. Welcome to uh, the Brutally Honest Podcast, man. Thank you. Good to be here. I'm excited to meet you. Excited to meet you, too. The, uh, it, it was uh, a long time in the works. So I guess uh, let's just share with people, because uh, I feel like we should plug, I think his name is Mark Shaw, right? The guy that does Spot a Guest? Yes, I believe it is. So Mark Shaw is the guy that has a uh, list of people that he sends out and... Um, if you're a podcast host, you could go on there and publish your podcast uh, for people to go on uh, and request to be a guest. And you can also, if you want to be a guest, you can go on there and find podcasts that you would like to go be on. So uh, I have to always thank Mark for, for especially the Zoom calls, because the Zoom calls are people I don't find locally around here. Right. So give people an idea of what you do before we get into all of it, because... Um, you are one of the few people that I've met that have been very successful in the uh, real estate industry. Yes. Well, I'm kind of in an interesting spot. I've kind of taken some time off. Um, I got into the real estate business when I was in college, My, but I, I watched it growing up. My grandmother was a, um, was a big producer of real estate locally. And I always I just paid attention. And you know, when you're growing up, you see people complain about their jobs or their bosses or money or whatever the case is. And I never saw my grandmother complain about any of those things. She lived in a nice house. She always talked about how much she loved what she did. Um, and just I just paid attention and I thought, gosh, if, if grandma can do that, what, what could I do? <laughs> so kind of, uh, it was kind of in the back of my mind. I went to, uh, I went to college. And um, went to Georgia Tech, which is a great college and uh, engineering-based school. But uh, I, as soon as I turned 18, I, in the summer between uh, sophomore and junior year, I got my real estate license. Okay. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And when I graduated, um, I thought, you know what, I'm gonna, I was teaching tennis um, as well. And I, so I was making money from teaching tennis. And then... I said, I'm going to do the real, I'm going to try the real estate thing instead of going for a traditional job, quote unquote. And I loved it. I loved real estate. Real estate loved me. Um, some ups and downs, but you know, I was 20 years old and you're going to get, have some, you're going to have some, you're going to have a hard time starting no matter what you do at 20 years old. Yes. Uh, agreed. Yeah. That. 
So it ended up, I had a good career, got married. Um, we were introduced to a gentleman who was trying to, who owned a region for Keller Williams Realty uh, here in Georgia, South Carolina, or Georgia, Alabama, and um, a little Tennessee. And I just, we, we, we chose to open the first Keller Williams office um, in 1999 mm-hmm. in Georgia. And long story short, about 12 years later, it was the number one real estate company in Georgia, still is today. Um, I went through a divorce, separated assets. We had to carve up the business and through all of our negotiations, I stepped out of my role and became a, uh, just strictly an investor in, in all of the businesses. And, um, I've taken some time off. I wrote a book, just finished a book Sure, that's going to be published in May. So it's kind of been fun. I've been remarried, got remarried, uh, four years ago and congratulations blending a family of five children. So that's a lot of kids. I'm, a, I'm one of five. Yeah, that's a lot of kids from nine to 19. I, my oldest turns 19 next week at Thanksgiving and uh, he's at San Diego State. Very nice. Very cool. Is he coming home for Thanksgiving? He's coming home. I haven't seen him in about three months. So I'm pretty excited. Oh my goodness. So um, as far as growing the Keller Williams office, what kind of role did you play there? Because I think a lot of people don't give enough, you know, they see, hey, I have rental properties, just that and the other thing, but they don't see the hustle to get there. Yeah, no, it's different. I mean, the nice thing about real estate is you've got a zillion different opportunities to make money. I mean, it's one of the, it's the greatest wealth building opportunity in the world, in my opinion, um, depending on how you do it and if you do it right and do it with the right people. But um, I opened, um, I took the first franchise of Keller Williams in Georgia. So that means that I was a franchise owner. And my job was to build an office um, that worked within a financial framework of uh, Keller Williams. And um, that's hard. I mean, and, and particularly, I don't care where you live. If you, the newcomer to town in a business, while it's interesting, it's hard to break through because people like norms. And when you're a disruptor in the marketplace, it's, um, it's just not easy. It looks glamorous on the end. Say, like, Oh my gosh, I wish I was you. It's like, I don't know, man, you, you, it takes a lot of guts and it takes a lot of faith and, um, some people are more prone to risk than others. I've been, I've not been risk averse my entire life. So sure. it's, it's a good career. It was a good career for me and a good move, but there are a lot of people that, um, it would not be the right path for and And you just never know. I think things happen the way they're supposed to. Sure. I look, I agree. I agree. People don't understand how hard it is to grow a business, to do anything like that. Um, and they think that if I feel like people have this perception that, if you could do it, anybody could do it, which is true for the most part. But because they haven't gone through it, they don't give you any credit for it. That's right. That's right. Well, and we're kind of in a society where um, I, I think if you want to be successful, I think you have to. I think you have to study success a little bit, and I think you have to. Whether if you don't have the opportunity to spend time with successful people. You do today because now you can watch successful people on podcasts. You sure. can watch their Instagram stories and videos. You can see people just download messages just as if they were sitting across the table from you. And it's a unique opportunity to accelerate your mental capacity for success. And the other thing I would say is 
you kind of need to be a cheerleader. If, you, if you're shooting down other people's success or downplaying it, um, I wouldn't expect you to do very well yourself. I've, I've found the most successful people I know are the people that get most excited about other people's success. Sure, sure. Um, the Do you or did you come across, because I feel like I come across this, and it could be because I'm, I'm younger than, um, we'll say, the, the median successful business owner age. Um, sure. Did you get a lot of people that were like, hey, I want to be successful? You help them, give them advice, and they do no follow-through. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, one of my favorite quotes is, hope is not a strategy, right? Sure. Um, it's, it's, and there are lots of people that, that want to win the lottery, but, um, but they're not even buying a ticket. You know what I mean? So you, you do have to be able to put the work in and you have to do, but that's why it's kind of, I think the whole world should be on commission. Basically. It's just kind of interesting. <laughs> there would be a lot more broke people. I promise you. Well, exactly. I mean, I, there's nothing worse than going down to the County, the, 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 your state's government office, for example. And it's just like, my goodness what if these people were on commission and they got paid what they the value they brought to the table instead of the clock they punched they might actually greet you with a smile they might actually give a damn whether you have a good experience in front of them or not um yep. it, it's a it's a big deal but I, I think what what i love about commission and what i've loved about real estate is you get paid what you're worth. I mean, and your 1099 at the end of the year tells you everything you need to know. It, 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 were you on the $30,000 time management schedule? Were you on the $100,000 time management schedule? Were you on the $300,000 time management schedule? Did you make a half a million bucks or you make a million bucks? Did you make 2 million bucks? That's the, t whatever you make is the time management schedule you're on. And we've all got the same, we've all got the same number of hours in a day to be productive. And some people just take that more seriously than others. Yep. Yep. I, uh, look, yesterday I worked, oh my God, I was up and at them at five, 30 in the morning and I didn't actually get home till 11 something at night I and 99% of my day was working. Yep. And then it's, you know, oh, excuse me. Sorry. I have this nasty cough. That's just will not leave me alone. I'm sucking down cough drops. Like it's my job here, but the people don't realize the struggle, the work, you know, especially being, you know, in real estate, you know, I have friends of mine that are, that are real estate and they're just starting off and they're like, yeah, nobody came to my open house, you know, or, or maybe two or three people showed up and they were just browsing, you right. know, and it's this constant, it's a constant struggle, which is good, but it's people don't, you know, they're like, oh, well you must suck at your job. It's like, they could be doing all that they, they can do at that moment. They just, they're on the bottom of the mountain that they have to keep working each level up myself included. I first started my business. I, you know, I took the leap of faith. I, you know, I had, I had no idea what I was going to do officially, how I was going to do it. I, I had an idea of what I wanted to do. And, you know, until you get into it, you know, everybody's like, Oh, real estate, real estate, real estate. Well, until you actually get into real estate is when you really understand real estate. That's correct. And I think that's with every industry, you know, it, it looks easy on the outside, especially when people, you know, such as uh, yourself, 
you go through it and you you've you've done it so many times it's it's you know it's like putting your pants on right it's put, putting your shirt on you know it's it's just that task every day that you're so used to that helps you be successful well and i think we're in um you know if we're gonna in real estate is obviously where i come from and it's what i'm familiar with but there are a lot of industries that have some similarities to it from the context of when you talk about success i think the younger generation may have a more difficult time in things like a like a real estate because you know people today aren't really brought up with the idea and understanding of failure and rejection um you know their parents are from an early age i mean they basically have you know bubble wrap on them at all times so that they never skin their knee or feel any kind of bad emotion or pain and let's be honest those we were (laughs) wired to experience everything because all of those experiences help generate a thought process or a level of determination or understanding, gosh, that hurt. Or why did that guy say no? And how do I get around that? And in rejection is, you know, I think learning how to, how to do rejection is a huge, huge thing. It's, um, I've got a funny story. Actually, you probably like this story. Um, when I was in college, I went to, I went out with a friend of mine. His name was Neil. And Neil was a great guy. He was very personable. Today, he's extremely successful in his own right. Um, And not surprisingly so. But Neil and I went out to a bar one night um, with a couple of guys. And um, it was the first time I'd ever been out with Neil. And before we walked into this bar, he said, um, he said, he said, tonight we're going to play by Neil's rules. Okay. Oh goodness! So I said, um, "Well, what is that?" <laughs> said, okay, here's the rule. He said, "The Neil's rules are." He said, "We can we can't leave this bar and go to another bar until we've been turned down by three women apiece." Damn! Do you hear that? Sure. Because that's completely the opposite of any guy going into a bar, going drinking, or single, or whatever. It's completely the opposite. That's the definition of rejection right there. It's the definition. But what's hap- what was interesting, so we go in there, <laughs> and if we didn't like the bar and wanted to leave, we had to get blown off by three people. Sure. So all of a sudden, your mind sh- the mindset changed from, I, don't, I hope I don't get a no, to... I really need a no. Sure. And so no became the goal. And I used to teach classes on this and I would talk about this and I would say, <laughs> and I would say that here's, here's what you need to put in your head. And what you need to put in your head is go for no. Yep. Instead of fearing it, make it the goal. Try to get as many no's in the day as you possibly can because sure. if you start chasing no's, that's where the yeses are. Sure. Be surprised by the yeses that come every once in a while. Don't be crippled by the no's that come every once in a while. So we, and what, what you, what happens when you do that is when you put no in a context or you put rejection in a context where it's something you actually want, it does, you don't fear it. And you actually look at it totally different. And I think successful people have, whether have figured out a way to embrace rejection and realize that it's just a part of the process. And if you're not willing to go through it, you're not going to get to the other side of it. You can, you'll be talking about, sure. you'll be, you'll be wishing for the rest of your life. 
The I agree. I really do agree. I so I did something very similar, um, and I, I can't remember where I read it or I heard it in a podcast or something like that. Um, but it was every time you go out to a transactional type business, so it could be retail, it could be a restaurant, anything like that. Ask for ten percent off, and. Right. I'm like, that's the weirdest thing in the world. I'm like, I could say, you know, I don't need to save 10% on most of the things. Like, no, no, you you ask for 10% because you'll just get used to people rejecting you. And I did. I did it for a couple weeks where every time I went out, I could go to McDonald's and be like, hey, can I have a 10% discount? And they'd be like, why? I'm like, just because. And <laughs> And you would be surprised, one, how many places will actually just give you a discount because you asked. That's number one. Number two is people think you're crazy the moment you you know you ask for it, but then they're like, "Oh, the the rejection is so soft most of the time. They they're never like get out. They're like, oh, it's company policy, or oh, we can't do that for you, you know. And it, and it's it thickens your skin and makes you not put up the shield, but just get used to dealing with that no. It's interesting. It's um, look when 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 you go through the drive-through at McDonald's, and they say, "Would you like to supersize that?" and you say, "No, no, I wouldn't." That's rejection of an offer. Yep. And their response to that is typically, "Okay, here's your total. Please drive around." Sure. They don't, they don't break into the fetal position and start crying because you didn't, you, you said no to their supersize request. Yep. Um, and I think, I think you have to realize it's very transactional. It's not personal. When somebody says no, they're not calling your mother something. Yes. Just, they, just, <laughs> they just don't want. Your mother they, is a horrible person because you said no. Exactly. <laughs> You're just saying no. And I think what happens is we get this thing like, oh, God, that, ow, that. They said no. What, I mean, what's wrong with me? And it's like, nothing's wrong with you. They don't want that much liquid today. You know, yes. That's, that's, that's all it is. They like you fine. They probably have a beer with you. They just, they don't want what you're <laughs> So you either need to ask them something differently or maybe you need to get better at the way you ask. Very true. Because scripts and what I've always said, what what's in your head and what comes out of your mouth will determine more about how much money you make or how much money you don't make or how successful or unsuccessful you are than anything else. Yep. Yep. I agree. I agree. It's that's so funny. And people don't realize that people think no's are the worst thing in the world. And, you know, I love getting a no. The f and I'm, I'm trying to get the no similar to like what you learned was as fast as possible because right. I think that we as a society have no value of time. And like, I hate waiting in lines because you're wasting my time. I hate, you know, if I have to go online and spend five minutes making a reservation or something like that, if I get to the restaurant and I made a reservation for seven o'clock, I shouldn't wait more than five minutes. That's right. And and it's not because I'm impatient or I'm hungry or anything. That, that has nothing to do with it. The whole point of this is to save my time. I, I invest my time where where I want to. It's in the business. It's in a relationship. It's in, you know, whatever it might be. But some people are like, oh, you know, I waited 
I waited all night for this thing, right? You know, oh my God, it, you know, oh, I, I'm like, what else did you do? They're like, nothing. I'm like, oh, why? I'm like, look, if that's how you want to spend your time, by all means, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but don't come to me and complain about why either you're not successful or this or this. You know, yesterday I got off the train, right? I took, I walked a half a mile to my car and I was like, great, I have a half hour to this event. I could show up a half hour early or I could go in Starbucks, crank through 25 emails and then go to the event and be right on time. Right. You know, that was how I used my time. Some people might have gone to the bar and had a beer. They might have done this. And I'm told, and I don't care. I just hate the complainers that say, well, why do you get this? Or why do you, you know, I don't understand. I'm doing the exact same. Well, most of the time, they're never doing the exact same thing. Well, they're not. And here's, look, I'm a, I'm a huge energy guy, Harrison. Sure. And I, I, one of the things I've learned is, the average person, they want to put, they want to put effort in this direction. Yep. And when it doesn't come back in that direction, they think it was a waste of time. Now, what I've learned is if you have well-intended, productive, good energy in any direction, if you just start make, make doing something a habit, what happens is you may go in this way, but what happens is the universe starts working and it starts coming at you. It comes at, it might come at you this way or this way, yep. both ways, but everybody's looking for direct in, direct out. And it's not, life isn't that transactional. The energy of the universe, in my opinion, is multi-directional but you have to put the pebble in the pond and you have to create the ripples sure. that go around and allow that to happen. Yeah. People miss it. I think people miss it. I think people are, you know, I met, I met a kid yesterday, right? Great example. I met a, ki a kid yesterday in, um, in a restaurant and I was like, Hey, you know, he's like, you know, he's like, what do you do? You know, he's like, are you a photographer? I'm like, no, I just do social media for, for the for the group that I was working for. And uh, so, I, you know, I, br I have a decently nice camera. And I was like, I bring the camera. I go take the photos. I, you know, I go and do my job, right? And he's like, oh, it's so cool. You know, I'm like, look, I'm making, you know, I was like, I did what you did not that long ago. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah. I was like, and now I'm making more money than I ever have before. And he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, are you like, he's like, and then he immediately thought like, he's like, are you doing Amway or something like that? I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm, that's not what I'm doing. I go, but I took the leap of faith. I read a bunch of books. I go, I started with Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And, and I'm sure you probably read that book as well. Love Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yep. And, and that was, you know, that was the keys and building blocks of success. I go, he's like, he's like, oh, he's like, I was like, did you ever read the book or have you ever heard of it? He's like, yeah. And I was like, great what'd you think like how you know what are you doing today to help you and he's like well i didn't finish the book and i'm trading stock excuse me straight in stock and i'm like you didn't finish the book he's like yeah i go why and he was like you know totally caught off guard because somebody called him out on something correct you know 
it's it's one of the number one finance books, and and I've I know I've alluded to a lot in this podcast, but it's it's like one of the number one finance books, and it, and it teaches a lot of core concepts and and principles that a lot of people don't know. And did you read the follow up to it, um, the Cash Flow Quadrant? No, it's actually is it on my desk? Okay, well that's that's I, I used to teach classes on that. I mean, I think if you like Rich Dad Poor Dad, dude, you you got to read Cash Flow Quadrant because it puts it in a silly, stupid, easy way to understand how money works and how you create wealth. It's so, so simple. You've, so got, I'm, you've got employees, business owners, self-employed, or investments. Those are your four quadrants. And, 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 and the employee and self-employed is one side of the quadrant. Yep. Business owner, business owner, and investments. The other side, he said, you can have an, you can be an employee, you can be self-employed, but if you're self-employed, most people who are self-employed have a job, and it's not really a business. So don't confuse self-employed and business owner because there's a difference. And the difference is, if you stop what you're doing as a self-employed person for six months, if you, it didn't make any money then you didn't own a business, you had a job that you didn't show up at. Sure. Um, but he said, you can be an employee, you can be a self-employed person, but if, you, if you've got, you can't get wealthy unless you have some investment of time or money in the wealth building side, which is the business owner in the, in the investment side of it. So you're gonna have to invest in real estate, you're gonna have to invest in stocks, you're gonna have to find ways to do things outside of your job sure. that, um, that do that. But sure. yeah, it, it's amazing that people, well, understand or hear things are great, but they don't, they, they, they just kind of ride the wave of the whiff of information rather than taking it in. So, uh, I'm a man of action and I just bought the book thanks to Amazon one click buy. Attaboy. Um, you'll love it. You'll, you'll, oh, love I'm it. sure after that, I'm not, I think they got very self-serving, but I think, I think it's kind of like, it's the Bible of Robert Kiyosaki. Sure. Uh, and I think those two books, or all you, the, the, you don't worry about the rest of it. The, I mean, there might be great stuff in them, but sure. those two books, it's everything you need. All right. Good to know. So I've definitely heard of it. I feel like I, I, I swear. I feel like I have it you it's probably on my list of things to read. Is it, no, this is a business of the 21st century. Um, but that was another thing that I think definitely helped my business. Um, self-employed business. I think is the is the appropriate term, but growing into a business, I'm uh, hired a part time or working on full time. Yeah, um, is reading books. Uh, you know, I I you know when people are like you know how, why do you have a business or how have you made it this far within business and how have you not crumbled? I read like a drug addict. Good. You know, and you know, it drives my girlfriend nuts because I have books all over the place. Whether or not I'm reading them is a whole other story, but I have books all over the place. I have books on my phone, and then I listen to podcasts like a fiend when I can. Um, and the best thing I heard, and, and I don't care if anybody likes Ty Lopez or doesn't like Ty Lopez, but Ty Lopez is the guy I'm sure I'm sure you've probably seen a commercial forum where he's like, Oh, this is my garage. You know, these are my, these are my cars. This is my books right here. Yes, yes, yes. And you know, some people are like, Oh, he's a scam artist, whatever, but he does teach some good principles. He actually was in Keller Williams. I think a long time ago. He's uh, oh, he, really? 
he and I are in a uh, there's a group of uh, there's a group called the Oracles out there that's uh, uh, public relations kind of publicist kind of thing and we're kind of in the same group with that but he's he does have a good message and he is consistent and I think he's probably opened some eyes of a lot of people out there. I look I, I made a YouTube video him Tony Robbins and uh, and Gary V were major factors in me you know growing a business or starting my business but. Uh-huh. The he has he has one one thing that he mentioned was you know he's like he goes look he goes I read a book a day he goes that's just the the nature of the beast he goes I read a book a day he goes but I'm I don't care about most of the book he goes I'm looking for that one lesson yep. that I can learn in that book and that one lesson will make me that much better and that's how I look at everything now you know I'm willing to go dig for gold constantly if I could get one nugget out of every book. And there's generally more than one, but it's, it's, um, look, in five years, your life is going to be a reflection of the books you read and the people that you surround yourself with. Yep. There's, there's no, there are no greater influences on you as your personal development than what you read and who you spend time with. It's why as parents, you, you don't have children yet. I'm no, no kids. Um, as a parent, it's interesting because you can spot a hoodlum at three years old. And, you know, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, we're not going to have a play date with Johnny because, uh, yeah, we're just not going to have a play date with Johnny because Johnny's not going anywhere. And oh. he's a bad influence. But, you know, as kids, it's easy because you can, you know, you kids are a lot more transparent. So sure. You can tell if they're athletic, you can tell if they're smart, you can tell if they're rude, you can tell if they have manners, because they haven't figured out yet how to compensate or put makeup on all of their flaws. Yep. The harder part, it's really hard as we get become adults, because everybody's figured out how to make their mediocrity work them. Yes, 100%. And, and it's hard, and so until a lot of times you have to either watch somebody's results or you have to just get to know them before you can make a determination of whether they're the kind of person you want to spend your time with or not. But it's as adults and it's like, it's like your example with the, with the guy with the book and Oh yeah, yeah. I just, I didn't, I didn't finish the book. And it's like, everybody's figured out how to create excuses in their life that they can sell and feel good about. Sure. But at the end of the day, if they're not where they want to be, what have they really done? And, and, and this is where ego, ego comes in because people that have the biggest egos can sometimes be very successful, but ego actually is, is a, it's kind of a mind fuck a little bit. It, it, it really keeps you from doing things because, well, I don't think I'm going to look cool enough for that. I don't think I'm going to look smart if I say that. I don't think I would feel or come across as successful as I want to come across if I let them know that I haven't ever done that before. And it, it, that's why it's so refreshing when you meet people that are like, they realize what their flaws are and they acknowledge them in a way that's it, it's self-deprecating in a fun, funny, factual way. There's nothing better than somebody that's just like, 
God, I'm such an idiot. I tried this thing the other day and I just, what a boneheaded mood. And I just ended up in the hospital. (laughs) That was the stupidest. I don't even know what I was thinking. I was so stupid. It might've been the alcohol or it might've just been the lack of brain cells I have carried with me all the time, but (laughs) I can prove that I'm an idiot because this happened to me. And yeah, it's (laughs) nice when somebody's just says, warts and all, here's what I've got. Yep. But most people are trying to make the world pretend like, ah, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm, I'm, gosh, I'm perfect. It, so, so it's funny just to, to touch on that. So, so thing one is, is last, last time when I spoke to him, I go, um, I go, stop. I go, the first thing you have to do is stop caring what your friends think. And he was like, huh? And I was like, your friends do not care if you're successful. Who cares what they think? You are responsible for your own life, not them. They're not going to throw you on their back and, and hike you up the mountain with you. No, you are responsible for your own success. So it's funny you say that, right? Because you, you, you have to stop caring. You know, the moment I was just like, yeah, you know what? I could care less what my friends think. It was the moment I started to, to grow my business and make more money and all that kind of stuff. That was number one. And number two is to touch on that is, you are 100% right as far as you need to um, accept what the good qualities and the bad qualities you have in your life. Like me, I'm a fluffy dude, but goddamn, I love a good chocolate ch- chocolate cake. I love eating. Eating, I, I love food. There's nothing that makes me happier than eating delicious food. I, I understand, and you're in a great part of the world to do it. Oh, there's good food everywhere, everywhere. So I'm like, look, if that's my only downfall is I love eating and my metabolism sucks. I'll look, I'll take life. Life is pretty good. Otherwise. I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, but I admit it. It's not like I need to hide it. Like, Oh, you know, the celery got to me today. That's why I put on an extra five pounds. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's fascinating though. Don't you find it? Don't you find it's, it's, but how many people do you meet that just, they're not honest with themselves. And if you're not honest with where you are, I got news for you. You can't get to where you're going from where you are. Cause you don't know where you are. Yep. The, that, and people are, terrified to take a leap of faith people aren't honest with themselves people want you know especially here on long island i don't know where uh, about where you are in georgia um but here especially on long island it's very much so keeping up with the joneses and it drives me bananas because there are so many people that are so goddamn broke that just drive the nicest cars they could possibly afford and the moment they don't get a paycheck it it's all come. It's all coming down. It's all coming down. It's um, yeah. I think the the idea of having to, you know, there's a phrase that, that that that's popular with a lot of people, and it's "fake it till you make it." And I, I think "fake it till you make it." There's some merit to that in certain corners of the world in yep. life, but if that's a way of life for you it's a problem. I mean, it, it, it's a problem. And I, I do think that people are trying to keep up with their neighbors, but they don't realize their neighbors can't keep up with themselves. 
And so, look, if, 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 if you can't buy your car cash, yeah, you might not want to go out on a limb and buy a car that expensive. Um, it's, it's just, they're, they're, and at the end of the day, I think, I think we're, as a nation, I think most people are just financially illiterate. Oh, a hundred percent. And everybody just thinks that, you know, you spend more to make more. You got to spend more to make more. You got to spend, there are not, there, there's not one CEO that I know that's successful that ran a successful business built on, you got to spend more to make more. Oh yeah. You got to spend smart. You got to spend smart. You got to hold every dollar you spend accountable to a result before you release it. I need work on that area, but I'm, I'm, we all all do, but it's, but it's, 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 I mean, it can always be better is the point, but I don't, but I don't think anybody's thinking, I think instead of going, gosh, if you don't have a, if you don't have a grounding rod to kind of pull you back to center, look, we all get, you know, if this is, if this is center, we all get pulled here and we all get, and we all get pulled here. And it's like, it's the farce of life balance, right? Everybody thinks, oh, do you have a balanced life? Well, there's not really a such a thing. There's a, you're doing this all day long, or you're doing this all month long, or you're doing this all year long. The trick is to figure out a way to stay out of balance like this, because you've got some rules and structures in place that pull you back to the center quickly. If you're, if you're living, there's no magic that happens in this space. The magic happens when you're out of it. Yep. The key is you're going to burn out and you're going to drive the plane into the ground if you live out here and this is your work and sure. you forget about your children and your family and yourself and your health and everything else over here. The key is play here, get back, play here, get back, play here, get back, play here, get back, but always get back. It's almost like a, I'm a tennis player and used to coach it, but it's always like hit a forehand, get back to the center, hit a backhand, get back to the center. Sure. You got to here. You're going to get burned. Over here, it's wide open, so you got to you got to cover you got to cover the court. Um, but I think people are so used to faking it till they make it. They live in this fake zone. They don't even know what the hell center is. Yep. I it's, look. That's great. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're driving a hundred thousand dollar car and living in your mom's basement. That's freaking impressive. It's it's Speaking crazy. You know, it, it's crazy. It, it's and. You know the sad part is, is 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 not even is it goes back to you know knowledge of finance right I know so many people that drive you know nice cars you know fifty thousand dollar car living in a studio apartment in the side of somebody's house which by all means go for it but you gotta know like that car is burning you know a car is never gonna appreciate a, an apartment is temporary. Till you could have an asset, you know, and if you want to buy, and and the other thing I think that there's a major problem is everybody thinks a house is an asset and it's not, especially the house that you're living in, I should say, you know, where so many people are like, oh, you know, I got to buy a house. I got to buy a house. I got to buy a house. I'm like, well, what? You're not rent. You can't afford a house. Oh, but we'll make it work. Well, yeah, you could probably make it work, but you're never going to get out of the rat race. You're never going to get out of, you know doing it and then now you're gonna have to work extra which means you're gonna spend less time with your family and and it it it, it you know back to your your 
staying in the center, you're, you're, you're leaving that or you're adjusting to one side for extremely long periods of time where that becomes the norm. Meanwhile, your center is all the way back here. Well, yeah, and I would say I'd probably disagree with you a little bit on the asset of the house thing, even the ones you live in, because it's if you look at if you look at the um, if you look at the there's an interesting chart. Where was that chart? If you have a the, the net worth of renters uh-huh. in America is less than a thousand dollars. The net worth. The net worth. Okay. Of renters, sure. Granted, there's people way more than that, and people way less than that. But the composite numbers in America, net worth of renters is less than a thousand bucks, right? So net worth of owners uh, 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 who own their own home, it's like somewhere between fifty and hundred thousand. It's 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 a totally different deal. And and I think that I think you know when you're a renter, you've got Every year your rent goes up. You don't know what's going on. You don't have any, I mean, real estate's the only thing that you own that you can, you can leverage, that can appreciate, that you whittle, you create equity. Every month you, you write that check, you're creating a little bit more in your savings account because it's going in there and it's lessening the amount that you owe to the bank when you need to get rid of it. And, it, and, and it's something, and as that money grows, you may get in a tech cash crunch and you can go to your bank and say, I've got $50,000 equity in my home. What can I get for that? And they go, well, we'll give you $25,000. You go, fantastic. And you go get that. And you go, it just, it creates opportunity for what that is. But going back to the car thing, if your car is worth more than the house you own, you've got a problem. Sure. You're in an interesting part of the world because look, the average home price in, in New York is ridiculous. Oh my God. I know. I can't wait to leave. Yeah. Well, people in Atlanta love it here because particularly people that come from New York and California, because I mean, the average home prices, I mean, you can get a hell of a house for, you know, in most places for under half a million dollars. I mean, these sure. a fantastic house for under half a million dollars. You can get houses here for under $200,000 that you would love. Um, it, particularly compared to, to, to what people are used to in other parts of the country, but it depends on where you are. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, and people say, well, don't just don't drive don't drive a car until you can buy it's not an as you say it's not an asset it's a depreciating thing so put your money in an investment mm-hmm. as much as possible and, and and drive a car you can truly afford and put your payment money towards something that's going to make you money or you know i tell people all the time like look if you're going to buy a car right at least put it into, you know, especially because I'm, I'm a little younger, where, you know, if you, if you don't know how to invest your money, go hire a financial advisor. Go get a Roth IRA. Start putting some money in there. If you're going to buy a car that was going to cost you $500 a month and you really want a nice car, get something for $400 a month and take $100 a month and put something away every single month. That's right. That, that extra $100 at such a young age goes so long. But the other thing that, that drives me nuts too is like, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I have all this money in the bank. Well, okay, great. Well, are you going to buy a house? Well, I don't know. Well, you know, maybe it's not an investment, but start experimenting with that money. Do you want to open a business? What kind of business do you want to open? Do you, you know, go, go test out the waters, go experiment, you know, go create something. You know, if you want to make this can of seltzer, you know, go get a soda stream, go get a canning machine and start trying to experiment with making your own seltzer, you know, 
spend a couple hundred dollars and practice and learn. And maybe you can even start a business out of pure accident. Uh, a lot of businesses have been created out of pure accident. Yep. A lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. What was it? Uh, Coca-Cola was, they were trying to make a cough syrup when they came up with Coca-Cola. Sure. So I probably need Coca-Cola if, if that's the case. Yeah. Well, you guys are Pepsi people up north. We're, we're Coca-Cola. Are we really? Um, yeah. Pepsi's like the Northeast and although anybody from Coke probably mad at me for saying that, but it's, uh, but Coke's kind of a religion down. I, I don't drink sodas personally, but it's, you can't find a Pepsi in, in Atlanta unless it's at the grocery store. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. I did not. I don't drink soda either. So this is why I find this ultra interesting. Yeah, well, um, just ask them what sodas they carry when you go to the restaurant. It's usually a Pepsi up there. And usually here, it's it's a Coke here. Oh, my God. Let's see here. Pretty interesting, right? Uh, He's researching. He's uh, oh, my God. You're not. Well, I don't know if this is how accurate this map is. But in the, in the Northeast and California, we call it soda. That's right. Down, down South, you guys call it Coke. That's right. In the North, they call it pop. Yep. And almost nowhere calls it a soft drink. That's correct. Only in uh, in periodicals or the news, they call it soft drinks. Yes. Wow. It's funny, right? That is, I I never knew that. <laughs> I'm, you got to get out more, man. I, do, I get out a lot. I mean, I, at least I, I, I know I like to travel. You know, I, I do know like the whole pop thing that I do know, but like, I didn't know that we drank more Coke up here, but the fact that just the map says Coke and down there it says pop has to imply that there's some kind of thing. There is some kind of thing. There is definitely some kind of thing for That's sure. That's pretty funny. I would have never guessed that. I'm like pretty mind blown, honestly pretty funny that is pretty funny so um so how'd you get your start into real estate and i guess you know tell me a little bit about that because i'm very interested because i do know quite a bit of people that want to get into real estate but haven't taken the leap of faith yet well it's hard i mean you've got to the, the enticing thing about real estate is you can start your own business without buying a garage full of water filters to sell in your garage you know sure. I mean, you don't have to buy inventory to go into business. You're actually selling other people's inventory. Sure. Um, so the cost of entry for real estate is pretty low. Sure. The cost to maintain entry is, is where it gets more challenging. Um, and the inconsistency of income for people is what's daunting. Sure. Um, if you're used to clocking in and clocking out and knowing exactly how much you're going to get for the time you put in every week, um, you don't get paid by time on task for real estate. Sure. Uh, not, there's no hourly rate to it. Uh, <laughs> so, but that being said, it's, that's also what makes some people excited about it because again, I can make what I, what I'm worth. I can, if I provide enough value I can create enough income. Sure. Um, that's the scary part for some people, and that's the exciting part for some people. Sure. Um, as I said at the early, you know, when we opened the show, I mean, I, I got to see my grandmother. Just she loved it. Sure. Uh, and, and she was a top producer with Remax. My, I mean, she was a she was a hoss uh, up until she sold real estate almost until she was ninety. 
like in her 80s for sure. Um, and I, I, I took the class when I was in college. I loved it. You took uh, a real estate class? I took the course to get licensed. Oh, okay. You couldn't do it until you can't get a license. You can't get a license until you're 18. Okay. So I was between sophomore and junior year, went uh, on my summer break, took a six week course, thought it was the most relevant thing I'd learned in two years. And I've been one of the top institutions in the country. And um, I loved it. So I got licensed, went into it. I had a mom who, uh, a friend's mom who was a, a broker and she was very passionate about what she did. I've known her forever. She was kind of like comfort food for me. So I hung my license with her and she taught me a lot. She was kind of a pioneer. She was ahead of her time with some concepts of representing buyers back in a time before buyers had representation. Sure. And she was really um, passionate about it. And I learned a lot from her because I was 20 years old. I got out of college and I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And so I put my suit on every day and um, go to work and, I was representing buyers and that was the only thing we could do for her firm. And, and, and keep in mind that did, that concept didn't exist legally in the real estate industry in 1991. That so, didn't happen until 93, just as a fun fact. So for two years, I was going around presenting offers on properties to people and they, they, I was just getting the shit kicked out of me because Nobody, you're, you're representing a buyer and you want us to pay you money. How, how does that work? And, and, and that's the way the world works today. But there was a time when it didn't. Sure. And so it was interesting because I just, I got, not only was I rejected a lot, I was beat, I was just beat up a lot. I, but I, but it was the only thing I knew. It wasn't like it was a good time and then it was a bad time. I just started out in this really tough phase of real estate because of the choices I made. And it taught me so much about the business and life in general and, um, and then I started getting opportunities to list homes of people that I'd sold homes to and um, I couldn't do it there. So I left and went to Remax where um, my grandmother said all great real estate agents go and, uh, <laughs> and had a great, I had a great career there for a number of years, did a radio show like uh, your podcast. I did a real estate uh, radio show for a few years locally. Sure. Um, I just had fun with it and ended up, um, having the opportunity to, to, to open the first Keller Williams office in Atlanta and, and decided to do it. But before that, it was just real estate sales, sales, sales. And I, I loved it. I loved meeting people. You know, most people, when they go to work, let's say if you're a nurse or you're a doctor, you tend to meet nurses and doctors and people in the medical field and people who sell uh, medication and, you know, car people meet mechanics and they meet other car salesmen and they meet insurance people and, everybody kind of has a network of people that are formed around their industry. And, and um, what I loved about real estate for me uh, is I'm so curious and I like so many people, everybody needs a house. Sure. So whether it's the mechanic or the nurse, the doctor or the NFL football player or the rocket scientist actually sold a house to a rocket scientist once. Um, really? Yeah. You just, um, you just, <laughs> everybody needs a house. So a real estate person is probably one of them has one of the most extensive networks of people because they know somebody everywhere. Sure. Collectively, we know everybody. You know what I mean? Sure. Collectively, we know everybody. Sure. Because everybody's so, going to need a house at some point or another. Everybody needs and wants a house. No matter what. No matter what. So you just you meet fascinating people. Kind of what you're doing in your business, actually. Because you're one of the things you love about your podcast is. You're just meeting so many different people and having conversations like this with 
So, I mean, we did, we've never, we, we spoke for five minutes before today and sure this is fun. And I can only imagine how funny it is for you because you do it every day, but it's um, not everybody gets to look outside, to run outside the fence of their own yard the way you do and the way real estate people do. Sure. Well, I could agree more. Um, you know, I started the podcast. I tell everybody I started the podcast for, for semi-selfish reasons because I, I wanted to learn from other people. I think other people and learning from other people is the greatest thing possible. There's no way to accelerate your learning faster than, than having the ability to ask questions and get real answers. And the nice part about having one of these long form factor podcasts is I don't need to conform to any rules. You know, I always thought it was funny when people were like, well, your podcast should only be 20 minutes. Why? Well, that's, that's the time that you're supposed to do. Okay. Well, that's the time that everybody else wants to do it. I, I don't need to conform to what everybody else is doing. It's the perk of having it be my show. Same thing with my business, right? I don't have to do what everybody else is doing. I can do whatever I want to do because that's the perk of having your own business. That's correct. So what I started, it was, you know, I'm like, how do I learn? How do I have these conversations? And, all, and I think now, especially in today's day and age, is these things are the devil um, as I hold on my cell phone yeah. because so many people just go through life with their face down planted in their cell phone, you know, I love, you know, do I live on my cell phone? Of course I do. I run a social media company. Yeah. But I also do my absolute best to say, hey, let's put the cell phone down. There's no need to to have it in my hands. There, the sky is blue. There's clouds. The, the beach is wonderful. If you're going to spend the whole time on your phone, what was the point of even going there? I'd rather stay at my office and do work and just use my phone while I'm at my office than go out, you know. My favorite thing in the world is coming home after a long day of work, getting home at 12, 1 o'clock in the morning because I'm a night owl. I love working at night. Nobody's there to bother me. Right. And I pull in my driveway. Silence. And the sky, there's this beautiful clarity most of the time where these clouds roll in. And every once in a while, I could kind of make out the Milky Way. And it's a, and I, and that is like the high sounds so weird, but that is like the highlight of my day. It's just, I love it's, it. Oh, it's, it's a, the cool air and it's, and I try to appreciate nature as much as I can. I was an Eagle Scout. I love camping. Um, and, and I never really realized how much I liked the outdoors. And I went golfing with a guy and the guy was like, you pick up on a lot of different things. So I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, he's like, we've been out here for four hours. He goes, you've commented on how beautiful the trees are and how nice the grass is and the smell and all this. He goes, I've never played golf with anybody that sat there and appreciated it. I'm like, we're playing on a beautiful golf. Like, how, how do you not? Right. Hey, if, you, if you're going to have a crappy golf game, you better enjoy where you're playing. I do okay at golf. Definitely, I'm definitely not the best. There's the, I, don't, I don't need to I, – I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. I definitely need to practice more golf. Well, I, my point is, is I don't care how good you are, it's always pretty. And you can always appreciate that. Even though you may not appreciate the tip shot or how you putted today or how you drove the ball, but gum, it was a beautiful day and the sun was out and the birds were chirping and there's just something about it, you know. It's 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 – there aren't a lot of places in America where you get to look at nature like that, um, you know, without skyscrapers and traffic and cars and horns and the smell of diesel fumes and 
<laughs> cell phone towers. I mean, it's, it's kind of a respite in the middle of life and they're just, unfortunately people that play golf get the experience and people that don't don't, but golf courses are beautiful. Oh my God. Yeah. They're gorgeous. They're outrageously expensive to maintain, but they're gorgeous. Yeah, they are. They are. Uh, For sure they are. You know, just it, it was it was so funny though. He like commented on it and I didn't even realize I was doing it. And he like made the comment and I was like, you know, what like I'm leaving my office all day. And not that my office is dark and gloomy, but I probably have one of the best offices out of anybody I know. But like I'm out of the office. Put the cell phone down. Like we're here to play golf. I'll answer an email in between a hole or so, but when I'm there to play golf, play like do what you're supposed to do. If I'm in the office, you should be working. If I'm out on the golf course, you should be playing golf. When I'm at the beach, I should be relaxing and enjoying the beach. I'm not going to go to the beach to go get work done, and I'm not going to go to the office to go try to enjoy a beach. No. It's, uh, I think the happiest people in life are the people that enjoy where they are or appreciate where they are in the moment. Sure. You know, the, the people that are most frustrated in life are the ones that are looking back and kicking themselves in the butt for what they did yesterday or, you know, last year or 10 years ago and, or the ones that are just panicked about whether they're going to be at the right place tomorrow or the next week or whatever. And everybody there, but as silly as it sounds, I mean, it's most of the people that we come in contact with every day are more focused on the rear view mirror or what's ahead of them and, and not focused on appreciating where they are. Yeah. Do you, now when you see people complain about where they are in life, what are your initial thoughts? Um, I think it's a feeling more than a thought. Um, and the feeling is I'm just a little sad for them. Uh, and I I don't mind trying to impart wisdom on people. And, but at, at the, at the end of the day, I really, I mean, if, if you're going to have to add value to me for me to hang, hang with you sure. and spend time and work on that, or it has to be my job on some level. Sure. But if it's not my job and you're not interesting, then I'm going to wish you well and I'm going to be a little sad for you, but it's, you know, here's, I'll, I'll give you a, it's, I had a guy there was a guy that, that hounded me to do some public speaking. He wanted to speak to, to the agents that we had. And um, I just wouldn't return. I wasn't returning his phone calls. He just, he was, he was absolutely persistent about, and he would call 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 and he would call. He would leave messages. Oh my God. He would call and there, there was nothing wrong with it. He was never rude. He was new whatever, but he was persistent. And one day I was in my car and um, his number came up and I said, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to take this call because if I, I, I just can't bear to look at him call anymore. <laughs> I picked up the phone and he said, listen, I'm, I know I've called you a lot. He's like, but the story in my head is you're busy and you don't have time for my call. But when you do and you're not busy, just like right now, if you pick up the phone, there'll be a time when you take my call. And he said, if you will let me speak with your agents, 
I will, I will explain that concept to them so they can not take things personally and they can go generate the business they need to. And I was fascinated by it. And I was like, you know what? You're on, dude. I, I'll give you, I will, you can come and speak to my group. So he came and talked, but one of the, I learned something really, he put something in, in, in my head that I've shared a lot. Um, I, it's even in my book that I finished, but it's what he taught was, um, and this goes back to your question, by the way. He said, people think that when they're presented with something new, that they, people believe that they actually stay open to, to that and gather information to come to a conclusion or an opinion, and then they form their opinions. And he said, nothing could be further from the truth. He said, when we're presented with something, a person, a concept, an idea, an opportunity, anything, we make a decision about it, and then we go about gathering information to prove ourselves right. So, and, and, it, and I, I thought, wow, I wonder if that's true. So in, when I, so I used to teach a lot of classes in my, in my business. And so I started experimenting with this, Harrison. And sure. I said, um, we'd be in the middle of a class. Like you might be in a class to learn about some, some marketing ideas, for example. Um, and I would say, okay, we're going to take a 30-minute break. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you all a script that I've come across that I think is fantastic. And I'm gonna give you a script and I want everybody to walk out of here and go call 10 people with this script. And then I want you to come back and we're gonna talk about how we did. All right, so I might have 100 people in this room. 80 to 90 of them were immediately, when you say that, they would go, you could see it, they would think, script that's that's not the class i came in for sure i, I don't i this is not what i signed up for i i i wanted to learn about x and i i don't i don't want a script i know and and so they say this is stupid in their mind they're going this is stupid and then you've got then you've got 10 to 20 percent of the people that are going this is awesome yeah oh my god we're gonna get a new script i can't wait to try this new script and so we take the break Everybody would go away and you'd be shocked to find that when they came back, the 80 to 90% of the people that said this was stupid proved themselves right. And the 10 to 20% that were like, this is awesome. They came back and it's like, oh my God, I called 10 people. I talked to three. I've got, got, got a listing appointment on Saturday for a guy that I would have never, this is unbelievable. And then everybody's like, it's stupid. Everybody, nobody wanted to talk. It's like, okay, so here's the deal. So the people in the room that were like, oh my God, a script. I did not want a script. If you went and really made the calls you were supposed to make, my guess is you made the calls with the level of energy that you reacted to the idea with. Sure. And you were like, Harrison, it's Sean. I'm in this class. This guy wants me to talk to you. I'm going to run the script by you. What do you think? And blow the whole thing. Sure. And the other guys would be like, hey, Harrison, 
I'm just calling to check in on you. I wanted to see what's going on. I was thinking about something. It's come to camera across my desk the other day. And this is this. I thought this would be an unbelievable opportunity. Would you like to talk about it? Because you're the first person I'm calling. Sure. It's a totally different deal. But if you're trying to prove yourself right one way or the other, you're going to succeed. And so what I find with most people when you say, when people start complaining about their life, you can't go about opportunity with the same level of energy that you have paying your bills. Yeah, 100%. Like, go get it, man. Go get it. Do it. Be, be thankful that you can do it. Be, have some gratitude, have some excitement, have some curiosity about where this whole thing can take you. Um, it's, it's, it, it, people just can't get out of their own way. And, and, and listen, you're, 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 you're going to stick with people who sing back up to your songs. So how many miserable people do you know that have a posse that they go back and go, Oh my God, that Harrison. I mean, he just, he just, whatever. And then everybody's like, yeah, he's a jerk. You don't need to waste your time on that guy. Whatever you, you, you go get it. You, you're exactly right, man. You don't need to waste your time with that. Yeah. It's just, everybody's going to find people and they need to be careful that it's easy to find people. Most people that are asking you for advice and say, hey, Harrison, I was thinking about something. I want to get your advice. They actually know what they want to do. They're looking for you to go, hey, that's a good idea, dude. They're looking for validation. Absolutely. Yeah, it's bad. You know, it's, it, you know, people, they approach things in the worst ways possible most of the time. And, and even when they, even when they, uh, they go through it, you know, they their that level of confidence is down by a lot. Um, or they go in with that, that preconceived uh, notion of what, what it should be or should not be. And, and you could tell when they have a preconceived notion, when you speak to them, because the, you know, it goes back to that energy level, right? Some people are going to have that amazing energy level and some people are just going to have that awful energy level and it's figuring out, you know, who has it and who doesn't have it and who's excited and who's not excited. And, you know, not every day everybody's going to get, you know, a level 10 on the excitement scale, but most days they should be in the, you know, the close to that number. And if they're not, they right. just could be a negative person. You know, you never know. Yeah. Or they're like most people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I tell everybody most is, uh, most is average. Right. The definition of average is most and people say most all the time and most is average. And the problem is you're surrounded by most all the time. You're surrounded by most people. Yep. So to get away from most of the people, we have to find the people. <coughs> like you said, you know, and again, it's so easy now because you can pull up a Gary V. You can pull up a Ty Lopez. You can pull up a Harrison podcast. You can, <laughs> you can do all, I mean, right. You can, you can actually, if you don't know these people, you can pretend to know them and let them come into your living room on your, on your computer screen. And sure. it's, it's do something, do something about where, where, where you are. Um, but it's, it's, you will find, I mean, it's, it's, life is about choices. And, you know, one of the, um, <clears throat> One of the chapters in this book I wrote, the book's called Effortless, by the way. Okay. Um, F it less. And it's about saying F it less and living more. 
And I bring, um, I introduce uh, 18 different F words. Uh, the book comes out in May, but it's, it's 18 different F words to reframe and repurpose your life. But one of the interesting chapters, one of the F words I bring out is a chapter called fork. And forking is when you look back on your life, and I drew this for myself, and this is where it came up. Like, the biggest decisions I ever made in my life were the ones that I struggled with the most, the oh. ones I kind of worried about, the ones that I agonized over, the ones that I worried about losing money over, the ones that I worried about looking like a failure over, or just, they were just big life decisions. Do I get married? Where do I go to college? Do we really try to have kids or do we not try to, I mean, all that sort of thing. But when you look back and I went through and I went back to the decisions I had where I went to college and said, okay, so I could go to Arizona State. I was looking at Arizona State, uh, University of North Carolina and Georgia Tech. Those were the three places I I could have gone to school. Um, And I chose Georgia Tech. So that was out of three option fork. I picked the Georgia Tech tong. And then I had the chance to, should I use my degree and go get a traditional job or should I go into real estate? And I, I chose to get into real estate. And then I look back and then I met a, my wife and then, um, then we had children and then we had the opportunity to do Keller Williams or stay where we were. And we did Keller Williams. And then we had the opportunity to do this and we did that. And we had the opportunity to do this and we did that. And then I had the opportunity to do that or that. And when you draw that from the top of a page and down to a page and you look back on your life and you go, wow, not just what I did, but what I, but look at what I did at every, every point against what I chose not to do. Sure. And where life ended up. And it's a pretty interesting thing because some people would look back on that and, and probably look at it in the rear view mirror. I mean, nothing gives you clarity like the rear view mirror, right? So when you look back and you go, very true, everything's fuzzy through the windshield, but everything's crystal clear in the rearview mirror. Cause you might go, I don't know why this is going on. I don't know why all this bad stuff's happening to me. I don't know why, I don't know why all this good stuff's happening to me. What's, I don't know what's going on. But five years later, if you look back and go, wow, if that hadn't happened, I was supposed to go through that because I would have never met so-and-so or I would have never gotten to do so-and-so or I would have never had this happen. And then you look back and you go, but when you go back and you, you do a forking, what I call a forking exercise, and you, show, you look, list all your forks and you draw them out, it's pretty fascinating. And if you had regrets about where you go and you go, at that moment, with all the things going on, if I would have just taken this route instead of that route, and I didn't take that route because of this, 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 and this, what can I learn from that now so that when I face another inflection point or another opportunity to, to move, that I'll choose a better direction this time? Because when I look at this in the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years, one thing is clear. I'm either a good decision maker or a bad decision maker. <laughs> or, or sometimes you look at it and go, what's interesting about this is I really fought this fork. Like sometimes the fork, it forks for you. Sometimes it throws you in. My dad died or my wife died or my husband died or I got divorced or whatever, whatever it is. And you go, I didn't ask for that. I, I didn't, I didn't, that's not, that was never in the brochure. It was never in the plan, but that's what, that's the fork. Life pushed me into a fork that I didn't 
want to go in. Sure. And at the time, I was miserable. I was sad. I was depressed. I couldn't get out of bed. But had that not have happened, I would have never gotten here, here, and here. Because sometimes we fight against the currents of the universe, in my opinion. But we're going to fail because if there's a place you're supposed to go, if there is a lesson you're supposed to learn, if there's a person you're supposed to meet, if there's a hill you're supposed to climb, whatever it is, the universe is going to make sure you're at that intersection at the right time of day to do it. Sure. And it might be that you get a flat tire and can't go where you're going. And that's the only way you end up meeting this person. <clears throat> it's got, there are no coincidences and it's going to line up. But sometimes you look back and go, yeah, I've got to trust myself more. I've got to trust the universe more. I've got to pay attention more. There's, when you do that exercise, because if you're young, you're going to have a shorter fork path than what I've got at 50. I'm 50. I just turned 50. Um, but it, nonetheless, it's a pretty fascinating exercise to just look back and go, wow, that's pretty cool. I would have never had this podcast if that boom, 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 boom. Oh, I look at that all the time. I reflect back and, you know, hey, my buddy Cameron called me and was like, hey, you're going to do a podcast. The other, the other crazy thing is that I've, that I've re, more so recently learned than anything is, uh, I'm going to curse right now, but is don't be an asshole. Um, right. Because so weirdly enough, out of, out of a weird series turn of events. So yesterday I'm in New York City at, a, at the Jacob Javits Center. Um, Huge convention center if you haven't been there. Yep. And so I'm sitting there and I'm talking to this guy and he grew up on Long Island. He grew up in Huntington, uh, the north shore of Long Island. And he's like, dude, he's like, I, he's like, all yesterday, you know, I couldn't. He goes, I know I know you, but I can't figure out where. And it turns out, and this is kind of what we concluded, him and I went through the exact same class in the fire academy nine years ago. Come on. And I'm like... I'm pretty sure it was right. You know, he's like, oh, it was, I was the last class before nationals came out and this, that, and the other thing. And I was like, oh my God, I was the last class before nationals came out because nationals in the fire Academy was very like, it was stupid. First of all, because there should never be, there shouldn't be a national standard for the fire department because every single fire department area is different. For example, Long Island firefighting is very different than California firefighting. Um, now, are you a firefighter? I am in Bayport right here. That's awesome. Thanks. So it was just so funny because, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I went through it like 2010, 2011. I'm like, that's when I started the academy, and that's when I started going through everything and this, that, and the other thing. And it turns out that him and I were in the academy together at one point or another, and we, I remember speaking to him because I th I'm pretty sure if I could roll all the way back in my mind, we sat pretty close to each other because I talked to everybody and that was how, how it came about. Um, Wild. That's pretty cool. And so to bring, bring it back to don't be an asshole is you never know who you're going to meet. You never know at what point you're going to need somebody's help. You're never going to need, you know, you never know when you're going to need anything like that. Well, here's a, here's a, here's another twist on don't be an asshole. Three days ago, I'm in the Delta Sky Lounge uh, at LaGuardia. Uh there's a line of eight of us to get a drink at the bar and there's one bartender in the delta sky lounge scott uh -huh. overwhelmed i don't know where the either where the other person was or why it was so you know yeah uh, odd numbered but it, it was a lot against one guy 
<laughs> and if you ever been to Delta Skylands, there there are some people that uh, think they're pretty important. Sure, of course. And um, they want their drink, and they want it now, and they don't understand why they're having to wait, and what the services of Delta and what. And like the guy was just, I mean, it's not as, I mean, it clearly everybody understands that, but so everyone after like the first, I was like fourth or fifth in line. And, uh, and the people ahead of me were just like the two guys in front of me were just, they were being assholes. Yeah. Their attitude was just, I'm an asshole. I want to be served and this is not happening fast enough for me. Sure. And I just was like, when it, when it got to me, I was like, dude, I wouldn't be able to do what you're doing right now. You're doing a great job. And I, this line's long, but I was like, hang in there. Cause it's, it's just, it is what it is. And you can only do what you can do. And sure. Don't worry about these people, man. You're doing great. And he said, what can I get you to drink? And I said, what's your house bourbon? He's like, it doesn't matter. What bourbon do you want? And I told him the bourbon I want. I was like, I, I think I'm, I'll just, I'll take the maker's mark. So he was like, done towards the glass. I was like, I know I got to pay for the premium. He's like, no, 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 this is on me, buddy. Thanks a bunch. He said, you made my day. Thank you so much. And he said, I appreciate the patience. And it was like, he probably would have charged the other people double for half. You know what I mean? Sure. Absolutely. But it was just, don't be an asshole. I mean, it's everybody's, everybody's been in a situation where your job didn't go the way it was supposed to go, or somebody called in sick and you had to cover the chef or, I mean, just, Everybody's been there. Have some, show some people some grace. Realize that everybody's, well, if, you know, when bad things happen, this is a, probably an interesting topic while we're on it. When bad things happen, I, one of the things I learned a long time ago is you have to, do, you have to divide that event into two categories. Mm-hmm. One is, what was the intent? And two, what was the execution? What was the result? So, the, obviously we're having a bad experience here. Are we having a bad experience because this guy's choosing to, to, to be a jerk or cause this problem? Or is this out of everybody's control and everybody's doing all they can do and this is just a, a bad luck deal? Because I think what happens is people just forget that sometimes life happens and sometimes tires get flat, you know, and it's not anybody's problem. Or sometimes people have a heart attack on the road and sometimes it just, you, you just, it's not like everybody was intended to screw your day. It just, sometimes your day is going to get screwed. And if you didn't realize that a bad day is in the brochure of life, um, <laughs> you need to go back and read it, go back and read it and give some yep. people some grace because it just, it's, it doesn't always go according to plan and people have a tough day. And when you can say, golly, man, you're doing awesome. I, I know this is a long line and those people were jerks, but you're doing great. Don't let them ruin your day. You're doing great. You're doing all you can do. And I, I appreciate it. They're like, they'll buy you a drink. Sure. Instead of charge you double. Yeah, so. no, it, it, you're, you're hundred percent right. You know, and, and it's funny. Like, uh, I went, I went golfing. I go golfing a good amount. I don't, not as much as I'd like, but I go like, way more than the average person, but not as much as I'd like. And, um, we were out at a, we were at an outing and the guys in front of us were just going so slow and it's and it's frustrating because like i don't pl- i'm not a fast golfer by any stretch of the imagination i'm usually the slower one so if somebody's going slower than me i know they're going really slow yeah, no and 
you know, a little part of me was like, I was getting super frustrated with these people. I'm like, why is why are these guys going so slow? Like, don't they have any like common courtesy for the guys behind me? And then on the flip side of it, and I was like, you know what? These guys, this might be the only time they get to go golfing all year long. Like, this is the time that they got to escape their wife, escape their kids, escape work. They get to go hang out, you know, three of their best buds or, you know, whatever, six or seven of their best buds. And this is how they get to spend their day. And that's their highlight of the day. So, you know, okay, yeah, could I choose to get angry? Yeah, of course I could. But this could be the one day a year that they actually get to go out and have fun. And I'm going to be the guy that's going to go ruin that for them? No, you know, whatever. If we got to go a little slower, we got to go a little slower. They're getting their money's worth. That's it. You know, it would have been great if the uh, the the people that were hosting the the outing, you know, put a couple more coolers on the on the course. But other than that, you right. can't complain. You know, it, it, I still even owning my own business, and I absolutely love what I do. A day on the golf course is almost always, almost always, better than a day in the office. Yeah, for uh, I think most people would agree with that. Yeah. So even even if you love what you do, that's a great day. Yep, I do. I love what I do, but it's uh, hey, it's a good life, Harrison. That it is. It's a good life, dude. I mean, you, you're making it a good life. I'm making it a great life. I think if you can't figure out how to live your best life, you're in trouble. I agree. Because uh, it's uh, there's something about living the life you want to live versus living the life you have to live. Sure. Uh, everybody's everybody's trying to figure that out, or not, or they're pretending to try to figure it out, right? hey pretending is still trying i guess in my opinion maybe but it's like the guy who didn't read the book i mean i know he's pretending you know he's pretending that it's okay he at least took the steps to read some of it yes he needs to just follow through it's the guys that you buy the book for and they never pick it up but look here's the deal if he were hanging around people that were reading He'd start to feel like an idiot for not, and he'd be reading. I don't know. I don't hang out with anybody that reads. You do. You just don't know you do. More than likely. Right? Because people, people who read are people you want to talk to. People who have a brain and are interesting. Look, if, if you're not reading or you're not failing or you're not risking, you're boring and you probably don't want to talk to them. So yeah. it's, it's just, it, again, it's who you hang around with influences that. You know, I, told, I, I remember when my son, uh, he was doing one of his first group projects in like middle school, right? Uh-huh. It, um, it, it, he, was, he was complaining about um, his group. He, he was in a group with his best buddies, right? For like a science class or something, as I recall. And he was like, we got so much work to do. We're so behind. I don't know how we're going to get this done. I go, I want you to stop and zoom out for a minute because what you're, you don't realize this, but you're experiencing a life lesson. I was like, here's the life lesson. If you're the smartest guy in your group, you're going to have problems. I was like, why didn't you get a group with some of the smart people in class instead of all of your buddies who just aren't, you just want to have fun with. He goes, well, I don't know. And I go, well, the next time you have a chance to choose a group, know who the smartest people in class is, and then you be the dumbest person in the group because, and the hardest worker. If you're the dumbest person and the hardest worker all with everybody you spend your time with, you're going to have a great life, buddy. Oh, yeah. But if you're the smartest person, if you're the smartest person you know, or you're the smartest person in your group, you're in trouble. 
you are in trouble. Sure. I so, agree. Yeah. Golf course or not. Life or not. I agree. Middle school science class or not. It, <laughs> it, it, it applies. Sure. You can, and look, if you could impart those thoughts, lessons, and, and knowledge younger, it gives them more time to develop and work on it. Absolutely. But, you know, at that, le- at that age, I mean, look, they've got attention spans of gnats. So <laughs> like 12,000 times before they go, I think, I think I've heard this before. Sure. Yeah, That's did. so funny. Yeah. Uh, so tell me about your book as we're wrapping this thing up here. You know what? I'm excited. Thanks for asking. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's called Effortless, um, 18 F words to reframe and repurpose your life. How do you spell effortless? Um, F with quotation yep. around it, dash, okay. it, dash, less, F, it, less. Okay. Um, which is kind of a take on the word F effortless. Okay. Uh, and also a play on the word, say, F it less in the, in the traditional sense of it. I mean, the F the bomb is, is running rampant in the world today, and it's become popular for book titles and everything else. But what I found is that, you know, saying F it in, in the way that we've always known the F word to be, it usually means you're giving up or giving into something, and you kind of end up changing by default not by desire. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I've gone through a lot of change in my life and i um, happy with where that's turned out. But it, 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 I woke up one night in the middle of the night and was thinking about effort and all these other F words. Why does effort have to mean that? Why couldn't it mean something more positive? And I started thinking about it and there are so many other F words that if you made the F word, not what we know it to be, um, it can do a lot of good. And, 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 and most importantly, we can actually architect the future of our life with what we want and where we want to go, not by falling into it, by being frustrated and saying, screw it and just ending up somewhere because we just ran out of tools or energy or money or whatever it is. And sure. so, um, it's just every, it's, it's what I, there are a lot of things I like about the book, but I like that um, you're going to be able to pick it up and just read a chapter and go, Oh, that's cool. It doesn't build. Every sure. chapter stands alone. So sure. for a guy like me and maybe you to pick up and read a chapter and go, that's awesome. It'll say, I want to go back and read this book. I want to read the rest of it. Or I got a great lesson out of it. And I got the nugget that Ty Lopez was looking for. Sure. Uh, and that was it. But it's, it's every chapter has got a lot of hard earned. It's very personal. It's very vulnerable. Um, it's very experiential. I've shared a lot of lessons that I've learned in my life and, um, I've had a great life. Um, I've had a great life and I'm living my best life now, believe it or not. So Good. it's, um, it's hopefully it'll inspire people to kind of take a look at where they are and um, challenge them to be better. Awesome, man. I love it. I'm looking forward to it when it comes out. I'd love to uh, pick it up and read it. I can't wait. I hope you love it. The, uh, all right. So tell people how they can find you and all that kind of stuff. So I've got a website. It's SeanRawls.com. Um, and I spell Sean Rawls, S-H-A-U-N-R-A-W-L-S, SeanRawls.com. Um, you can find me on uh, Beefing Up Instagram, Facebook, Sean Rawls. Um, I've got a, a professional page, Sean Rawls Author, um, that's out as well. And I'm on LinkedIn as well. I'm pretty easy to find out there. I love it, man. I love it. 
Well, yeah. thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. Looking forward to uh, to doing this again, and hopefully it's in person next time. You know what? I'm in New York a lot. Uh, we just bought a place up there uh, last week. In, Where at? Uh, right at 6th and 57th. Okay. So oh, we're the city, city. City, city. We're in the city. Love um, it. So uh, we're up there. We've got a 12-year-old that is um, in the acting gig. And, uh, in fact, they flew up this morning and are flying back tonight for a big audition again. So we're, we can go up there a lot for that. But, um, yeah, it's 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 fun. Awesome. Well, thanks for hanging out with me, man. I appreciate it. Hey, you got? Are you ever in the city? Uh, I, I I was in there yesterday. So you were. I, trust so, me, we will get I, together. I will, um, when I know I'm going and I'm going to have some holes in my schedule, I'll reach out and maybe we can grab a beer or something. I would love that. I would love that. Hey, listen, congratulations on all you're doing. I think this is a lot of fun. And uh, I think I can only imagine uh, where this is going to take you um, <laughs> in your own personal growth path. It's, Thank uh, you, man. I really yeah. do appreciate that. It's, you're uh, really, you're it's really a lot good. of work. A lot of work for, uh, you know, I'm not looking for gain by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just looking to, like I said, speak to other people, talk, learn, and uh, hopefully, you know, everything I learn in this goes to somebody else who would also like to learn. You're going to impact people that you don't even know about. So That's the goal. And if there's anything I can do to help you along the way, buddy, just keep my number handy and give me a call. I absolutely will. I absolutely will. Sean, thank Thanks. you so much, man. Thanks for having me, buddy. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Alrighty, guys, and that is it. Thank you guys for dealing with my hiatus. Thank you guys for hanging out with me. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Lots of things are coming down the pipeline. If you guys haven't already, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button. You know, tell somebody about it. That's how the show grows. Uh, it's really been 100% organic growth. But I just, I really am so thankful that you guys are here with me on this journey. I'm looking forward to uh, having a phenomenal year of podcasting with you guys. I have no intentions of stopping. I did need a little break, uh, but I'm back. I'm very excited for it. And uh, look, we're gonna have a great time. All right, I'm excited. I love you guys. I'll see you guys later. All right, happy. Happy 2020, all right? We're all going to crush it this year. Positive energy and positive thoughts. I'll see you guys later.